0: on into Crashing the Boards, the Northwestern women's basketball podcast. We're still on break so that means we're all around the country. It's the same crew from last week. I'm Amit Malik in Philadelphia suburbs, uh, joined by Austin Miller from North Carolina and Matt McHugh from California. You know, happy to be joined you guys again over Skype.
1: Yeah, for well, the edition of the podcast, some special uh, themed content coming up. I'm very excited for it and Yeah, good to be back with the crew talking about some some quality basketball here.
2: Yeah, Matt, I'm with you. Uh, It's been a great holiday so far. I got a trip to Nashville coming up for a bowl game, so that'll be great. Big Ten women's basketball, one of my favorite things to consume, is about to start, which is great. So instead of watching Illinois play Austin P, I get to watch Illinois play Wisconsin, which is so much better, obviously. So, yeah. As
0: Austin said... We are here for the start of Big Ten Women's Basketball, a really fun time of the year. Northwestern 7-7 in non-con, wrapping up that part of their season, Uh, get a little bit of a six-day break here for the holidays, and then they're back at it. Uh, They start with the home contest on the 28th against Minnesota, and then on New Year's Eve at 2 p.m., they have a matinee game in Champaign against Illinois. So it should be a lot of fun. We have a lot to talk about. Starting with the last two games, Northwestern split two nominal home games against number 21, Green Bay, and Eastern Illinois. And a lot to be proud of for the Wildcats, two good performances from them in both of these games. Let's start with Field Trip Day at Allstate Arena. Number 21, Phoenix's in Town, Northwestern gave them a very good battle, guys.
2: Yeah, I was really impressed, Imit, with what Northwestern did in this game. Coming off a pair of really tough performances at home against DePaul and then on the road against Missouri State, two games in which they really just got blown out, didn't defend particularly well. They came out and defended really well against a Green Bay team and a Green Bay team that defends among the best in the country. I thought Northwestern played pretty well offensively in this game, 57 points is a pretty good number to score against Green Bay. They shot just a tick under 50%, 20 of 44 for the field, turned the ball over 16 times, which is a big number, but against a defense like Green Bay, that'll happen. And yes, the Wildcats lost this game by six, but I thought they battled back well in the third quarter after trailing by seven at halftime. They hung around and gave themselves a chance in the fourth quarter. And against one of the best teams that they'll play this year and certainly one of the best defenses they'll play this year I think this is a performance that they can definitely be proud of.
1: Well, yeah, Austin, to echo everything you said, and then to add on to that, they didn't have their starting point guard again in this game, and they're playing one of the best teams that they're going to have on their schedule, and they were within one shot here or there of winning this game. Like, they were right in this all the way down to the end. and To do that without your starting point guard, you have to play Ray Hopkins kind of as that backup ball handle. We talked about that on the last episode, kind of out of element. You got that shortened rotation. People playing 35, 37, 39 minutes each. And they went out there, they battled, they stuck with Green Bay to the end. Kind of like that Syracuse game. he kind of showed that they can hang with anybody. And that's the kind of attitude they're going to want to have when they enter conference play.
2: And Matt, Bertie Galernick deserves a heck of a lot of credit for this game. This Absolutely. Was, I think everybody agrees probably her best game in a Northwestern uniform. She scored 13 points on 11 shots, dished out five assists, turned the ball over four times, which I think is a pretty good number against a team of Green Bay's caliber, played 39 of a possible 40 minutes. And one of the things that impressed me most about Birdie in this game, Matt, and this is something that we've not really seen from her in her career, and admit you can chime in on this too, she hasn't always been aggressive offensively. She's always looking to pass. She's a point guard, She's a pass first, pass second type player. She took 11 shots in this game. She was two of six from behind the arc. She attacked the basket. 5 of 11 from the field. She gave them enough offensively that I think Northwestern can feel a lot more secure in that backup point guard role. Birdie did well there, and then she picked up eight points against Eastern Illinois in their final non-conference game. So we still don't know what Jordan Hamilton's health is going to be. She didn't play in either of these two games or breaking down. But if she continues to be out for an extended period, I think you feel a little bit more secure in Birdie now that she's got a little bit more time to get that primary ball handler role down.
0: Yeah, one thing we talked about last week was that the shot attempts from other non-Lindsay Pullion players had to go up. And, you know, one of those sources was Birdie Glarnick because against Green Bay it's going to be really tough to manufacture shots no matter who's shooting. And I thought it was it was really impressive to see her step up, answer answer the call, and, you know, get up 11 shots and get to good defense. And 13 points, 5 assists is a pretty solid showing. And I think what you said also, the key point, is that Northwestern now knows they have, have reliable point guard option even without Jordan Hamilton when Hamilton comes back it'll be really interesting to see how they mesh but it's a new step in Bernie Galernick's kind of career trajectory because to this point as you said she has only been really a pass first if you know she uses that to exploit other teams defenses because a lot of times you'll see they'll sag off her she gets a lot of Open looks at the three point line. And, you know, pretty much so far in her career, she's passed them up. If she starts shooting them six three point attempts in this game, you know, 33% from the line in this game, you just want to be around that range. She can be a really potent offensive player. And the way Northwestern is, they don't have a star on offense. Lindsey Pulliam, certainly a budding star in that right. But anyone that can, you know, contribute on offense is going to help this team get to 60 or so points in a game. And even when. Hamilton comes
1: back. Sorry, Austin, but with with Bertie Galernick and Hamilton in the backcourt together, I think that's something we'll probably see a lot as the season goes on and probably as their careers go on too. I think she's going to be good for 20-plus minutes, night in, night out. She's got that intensity on defense. They really, they both do. That's something that Joe McEwen really likes, and that's been such a key for Northwestern this season is that, that defense being locked down that was working for them earlier this year, getting back to that identity. I think they're both a big key for that, and then How they both play with each other in the backcourt is going to be really interesting to watch, especially with this kind of newly developed offensive game for Galernick. Hamilton herself said she likes to play off-ball a little bit at times, too. That could take the pressure off of her if she doesn't have to be the primary ball handler for 35 minutes of the game, if she can do that for 25 minutes and then kind of get to play off-ball a little bit, too, use some of that energy on defense. I think there's so many ways that that backcourt could work out successfully for this wildcat team
2: abby shied in this game i thought was probably northwestern's best player offensively she didn't just score 17 points she did it incredibly efficiently only took her eight shots from the field she hit a pair of three pointers perfect five for five from the free throw line that's the type of offensive game that northwestern wants abby shied to be able to have against a really good defensive team in green bay that's a great sign lindsey Polium. She scored 15 points. It took her 17 shots to get there. But Matt, I think against a defense as good as Green Bay is, that's not that bad of a stat line for Pulliam. Six of 17 from the field, 15 points. Of course, you'd like to be a little bit more efficient shooting, but somebody has to shoot the ball for Northwestern. They only took 44 shots in this game. So if Pulliam shoots that number and hits that many, that's not a bad night for her and for Northwestern.
1: The only thing I would like to add to that is it would be great to see her try to get to the line a little bit more. I think that's the next step for her game. She loves attacking the basket, but many times she'll also settle for that mid range jumper. And while that works sometimes, like in that Syracuse game, it really worked, some nights she doesn't quite have it. And instead, she's got to find a way to, to generate that contact inside, get herself to the free throw line, because she's a very good foul shooter as well. So I think that's the next step in developing her offensive game. And, Man, if she could do that, she's already been so good for this team. It's scary to think about how much better she could be.
2: I think we're all in agreement here, Amit, and and I'll get your opinion on this as well. This is a good performance from Northwestern, and, and we've said this time and time again. It's not all about wins and losses this year for Northwestern. To hang with a team as good as Green Bay is, to stick around in this game for as long as they were, to play the type of basketball they did, to score the rate that they did, this is all a positive sign for Northwestern heading to Big Ten play. And this was the response you wanted to see out of them after those two disappointing non-conference losses.
0: Yeah, Austin. Last week, again, going back to that, we talked about what was the blueprint for Northwestern to get, you know, a result out of this game or, you know, put in a good showing. And I think they played the way we wanted them, we hoped they would play, because they they slowed it down, they had good looks, they shot a very high percentage, and their defense was really good against the Green Bay team and they just had to match Green Bay. They could never let the game get out of hand. And as you said, also down seven, you know, again, I think this is the exact line I might have said last week is when you're down seven against a team like Green Bay, it can feel like 14 or 15. Give them a lot of credit for making this a one-possession game at times during the fourth quarter. Northwestern really battled well, and I think as you also alluded to, the key here is the performance was better than what they had played in those previous games, which were frankly, you know – disappointing for this team and I think this is nothing to be ashamed of this just shows as you said that Northwestern could go play anyone in the country and give them a fight and it, it's promising especially on top of all this remembering they didn't have their starting point guard
2: for sure and then I think to as we kind of shift into this second game we're going to break down to take that performance again against Green Bay and then follow it up with exactly the performance you wanted to see against an Eastern Illinois team that you know again was really kind of out of their element against Northwestern 74 to 40 win for the Wildcats. They outscored Eastern Illinois, 24 to five in the first quarter, Matt Belant's team. Good to see you shifted onto a different spot, Matt, but you failed to have success there as well. It's going to take some time. Uh, This was exactly what Northwestern wanted shot over 50% from the field. Polium played scored 15 points. Scheid had 14 double, double for palace 13 from Bree Hopkins. The minutes numbers got down heading into the break. This is what Northwestern wanted to be able to do, and Matt, this is what we expected them to do, and it was good for Northwestern to just get a game under their belt, to close out the non-conference, maybe get a little bit healthy, and get some rhythm.
1: Exactly, Austin. This is what we talked about in our brief preview of this game last week, that it was pretty simple. You want this game to be the kind of game where you go in, kind of go through the motions of the game, cruise to a victory, get all of your players some rest, and I think another big takeaway for me here is getting back to that defensive identity. Remember that 90 point ugly road game there just a couple weeks ago? And then they kind of wanted to watch that one, get back to how good that defense was earlier in their non conference slate and 40 points for Eastern Illinois in this game. It reminded me of that Stony Brook game out at ETHS and the Northwestern defense just absolutely putting the clamps on an inferior offensive team. It's great to see. They shot 29.8% in the field. 21 turnovers in the game. I mean, Northwestern, again, even without Jordan Hamilton, the defense just
0: awesome in this game. Yeah, as you guys are mentioning, it's a really good win for Northwestern, and they did what they had to do, and they did it without any hiccups, and that's pretty much what you want to see. Starting defense first, holding the Panthers to just 12 points in the first half, Really impressive for them, and I think one thing we talked about last week as well that we wanted to see was get you know some rest for a lot of your players, just balance out the minutes a little bit more. We know this rotation is thin, so anytime you can do that is just going to be good for their you know their fitness. And Brooke Pike, you got to play 15 points, 15 minutes in this 15 game. 15 points that would no, have been no, no, no. something. She did post two assists. Um, good for her. Um, Abby Wolf getting some run as well as Bree Hopkins.
2: Um, just one thing, one thing, quick, a minute. Sorry to cut you off, but one thing, quick. I like how you mentioned the minutes, but one thing that I really like that Joe McEwen did in this game is he let Birdie Galernick play 37 minutes. Did she need to play 37 minutes? No. This game was all out of hand. But if Jordan Hamilton continues to miss time, every single rep that she gets in a game situation, running point, being on the court, is a positive rep. So you had a little bit of a break after this game. So you know what? It's pretty good. I'm fine with Bertie Galernick scoring, playing 37 minutes in this game. She played well, dished out four assists, scored eight points. That's what you want to see. I like her getting a little bit more time as that primary ball handler, getting some reps at that. I think this was a good thing for McEwen to do.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, every rep is going to be important for her, especially when it comes to Big Ten play. defenses are really going to dial it up. We know that some defenses in the Big Ten are going to employ really aggressive presses, some really aggressive traps, and oftentimes, you need multiple ball handlers to beat those. And especially if Jordan Hamilton is out, Bernie Glarek is going to have her hands full. So, the more reps she can get, just handling the ball, leading the offense, setting it up, will be useful. I don't think there's anything else really to add about this game. Northwestern did what they had to do. Uh, it was a really clean performance, which is what you want to see. And, you know, one thing we also talked about it was just ending non conference play on the right note. I think that was good for Northwestern to get some momentum here into Big Ten play, which is really going to be a gauntlet for this team. Just a lot of good, tough teams they're going to play, and it's going to be pretty unforgiving, so it's good to end with the win. And they're 7-7, seven and seven, 500 heading into non-con. So I'm pretty sure that's all you can ask for from that Eastern Illinois game.
2: Minnesota time?
0: Yeah, time to talk about Minnesota's start of Big Ten play. So Minnesota is a very good team. They're coming to play. Oh, in-
2: that's, that's friendly.
0: Okay, sorry, I was about to say, they're a good team, they're a very good offense. Minnesota is a very talented offensive team. We'll talk about a little what makes them go. They're 11-2 this season. They've beaten a slew of decent teams. Uh, Wins over VCU, Boston College, Xavier, Wake Forest, UNLV, Uh, Georgetown, Georgetown, which is impressive. And uh, their losses won to North Carolina, a very close game. They also lost to San Diego, which I believe is a solid team as well. Um, 11-2, you know, they probably would have liked to have that San Diego game back. They didn't necessarily schedule anyone too tough in non-con outside of UNC, but this is an explosive offensive team, uh, and they have a lot of returning talents. This Northwestern's defense is going to have their hands full.
2: They are a bit, and that San Diego team is 171st in RPI, so that is definitely a game that Minnesota is probably going to want back at the end of the year. You mentioned it. They have some decent wins, but they're kind of a tournament resume that that needs some wins in the Big Ten. They'll get the opportunity for that. We'll see if they're, if they're able to connect. But Minnesota's a team that's going to be coming to ETHS to play Northwestern, looking to start Big Ten play on a high note. And when you talk about this Minnesota team – You have to talk about them offensively. They have four double-digit scores, including Kanisha Bell, who averages over 20 points per game, and Carly Wagner, who averages 18.8 points per game. Minnesota averages 87 points per game. So they can score the basketball. They like to play fast. They like to take a lot of shots. They like to take a lot of quick shots. And that's something that I think this team struggled with last year is they didn't have a score to pair with Carly Wagner. When they were so dangerous two years ago, It was Rachel Bannum and Carly Wagner, and those two worked in tandem. Last year, Wagner had to carry a lot of the load for Minnesota, and her scoring numbers kind of stayed up, but her efficiency went way down. She shot basically about 30% from the field. That number this year is all the way back up to just under 44%. With Bell taking a more primary role as a scorer with Wagner, they're a lot more dangerous. Bell is nearly a 50% shooter from the field. She's 40% from behind the arc. This is a dangerous, dangerous offensive team, and Matt, they can hurt you in a lot of ways.
1: That's Yeah, exactly right. They move so much on offense. It's such a quick, fast offense. But the the key to that is they can play fast without turning the ball over, and you don't really see that very much. Normally when a team decides to run, put up close to 90 points a game, they're going to turn the ball over a lot. Well, Minnesota, they don't really do that. They're second in the Big Ten in assist-to-turnover ratio. They've got a strong turnover margin, plus 3.7 there. That's the kind of stuff you look for. If the team is going to run, can they take care of the basketball? So far, Minnesota's been able to do that. We'll see if Northwestern can lock in defensively and try to put the clamps on that speedy Minnesota offense. But they're going to run. They're going to get shots up. They're going to get to the free-throw line, and Northwestern's going to have their work cut out for them on that end. But on the other side of the ball – That's where Northwestern can really get this team. At least in my opinion, this is a defense that can be exploited by almost any offense in the conference.
2: Yeah, Nia Coffey has traditionally played incredibly well against Minnesota. Because they had nobody who could guard her in the post. Some of her best games in her collegiate career at Northwestern was because of that. So I would expect to see Palace Kanai Akpana in this game and in this game a lot. I mean, you and I were in Minneapolis for that game last year. Akpana completely turned the game on its head when she came on at halftime for Northwestern and just attacked the glass. Minnesota's not a great rebounding team. Palace could be the key here for Northwestern. If she can grab a ton of rebounds, take some second chance opportunities, and score you know 15 to 20 points. Northwestern could be in this game because Minnesota can hurt you in a lot of different ways, but also they can't because they're not a deep team. They don't have a ton of different options that they can run at you. It's Bell, it's Wagner, it's Kadiva Hubbard, and then it's Destiny Pitts. They're really talented freshman point guard, 11 points per game, eight assists per game. After that, they really don't have any scores. So that first unit can hurt you, but they're not very deep. And admit that's why I think Northwestern can kind of hang around in this game, especially if Palace plays well.
0: Yeah, Austin, the keys for Northwestern are going to be to pound it inside. Minnesota, not a great defensive team, especially not great bigs. Their their strength is their guards. Um, Northwestern, for them to have success in this game, they need to avoid those those huge runs. Not saying that they've necessarily given them up or haven't, but if Minnesota, you know, blows this game out to 15-20 points early on, it's gonna be really tough to come back because Minnesota is just going to run, run, run. And Northwestern, you know, they're not a team that's built to do that. They like to slow it down. They like to play close games. The reason why they were close against Syracuse, Auburn, Georgetown, and Milwaukee, and the game we just saw against Green Bay is because they just they defended really well. They kept it within one or two possessions and a whole game. This is not a team that can really come back when a game gets away from an arm's length from them. So that's going to be the key against Minnesota. And then more on just these golden gophers, they really like to chuck it from behind the three point arc. Uh, Kanisha Bell is a solid three-point shooter, but then they have three high-volume, high-percentage three-point shooters. Carly Wagner, Hubbard, and Pitts, you all, you mentioned all of them. They all have over 75 three-point attempts this season. For comparison, Northwestern's most-volume three-point shooters, Lydia Rohde, has 57. As a team, Minnesota has taken twice as many threes than Northwestern. They just, as you mentioned, Matt, they're quick offense. They really gun it. And they have two really accomplished scorers um, in Bell and Wagner. And, you know, I'm going to go to my ranking summaries. My favorite thing to do is looking at this team. Minnesota is ninth in the country in scoring offense, 87.6 points a game. Their free throws made is sixth in the country, so they get to the line a lot. And their assist to turnover ratio is top 25. They're 11th in the country in three-point three field goals made. Just as you guys are saying, A really explosive offense, really fast, really quick, jacking up a lot of threes. And then also, you know, individually, Carly Wagner is 12th in the country in field goal attempts. And then Kanisha Bell is 5th in the country in free throw attempts and free throws made. So a team that plays really quick, gets to the rim a lot, gets free throw attempts, and also takes a lot of threes. So this Minnesota team is going to be really explosive. And I think the key to Northwestern is just limiting that, keeping the game close the whole time. Because I could guarantee you... If this game even gets to a 10-point lead for Minnesota, it's going to be really hard to climb out of that, just the way they're built.
2: I think Syracuse well, what, is the best comparison for this game, Amit. Don't you think so, Matt? Syracuse yeah. likes to play fast. Northwestern kind of tried to match them because that was the only way. I think the Cats might have to do a little bit of that in this game, too. You simply can't slow down Minnesota.
1: Well, what I was thinking about is how are they going to match up defensively? I want to ask this to you guys, too, because you want to run a zone, probably, considering you want to keep your bodies fresh, your offense, especially players like Pulliam, yeah, Cody, Glenn. so The problem with playing
0: a zone is that feeds right into Minnesota's style. Yeah, exactly. Sh- They're going to shoot right out it. just of- sit right in the pockets of the zone and just shoot a ton of threes. That's the problem, but I don't know if Northwestern has the energy or the personnel, really, to play man because
1: you need to have so many different perimeter players who can have that energy on that end of the floor and then go on the other side and then be able to run with them for 30, 35 minutes as well. So, I mean, it, it's a tough conundrum for Northwestern right now. I'd, again, you'd love to have Jordan Hamilton back for that exact purpose of sliding in defensively and being tasked with a Bell, a Wagner, or a Pitts, just one of those three. I don't really know what the answer is on defense.
2: And it's tough because, you know, I don't think, like you said, there's probably no no team that Minnesota is gonna play this year, except maybe Maryland can match up three good, above average defenders on those three dangerous players in Pitts, Wagner, and Bell. So you can take one of them away, maybe, but you can't take another you can't take all three of them away. You have to give something up. For Northwestern, I think you try to take away those threes because those can get you shot out of a game really fast. Make Minnesota attack the basket. I know they shoot a lot of free throws. Northwestern has to stay out of foul trouble if they do that. Look at those free throw numbers for Bell. She shot 95 free throws in 13 games. That is absolutely absurd. She is low key in the running for Big Ten player of the year. If she can keep up that type of numbers. obviously Kelsey Mitchell is going to win it. But she can be in that conversation if she can keep that efficiency up. She has had an incredible start to the year. This is gonna be a tough game for Northwestern. They're gonna to have to score points because I don't know that they'll be able to defend. Fun fact, Matt, did you know that Jesse Edwards is still at Minnesota?
1: Wait, how? How? How is she still I, there? I feel like I don't know. I, don't know. I feel
2: like she's been yeah. flopping for like five years now, but she's still there. She's a senior. Well uh, yep. yeah,
1: she gets the, the, the start and then kinda of head to the bench for Yep,
2: plays fifteen time, minutes. Plays the first, probably the first seven minutes and the second seven minutes and then heads to the bench and picks up four fouls. Great. Go Gophers. Uh, Amit, you kind of touched on this already. If you could pick one key for Northwestern in this game, what would it be?
0: Yeah, I think it's what you guys are all alluding to. Take away those three-point attempts. You really just have to slow down Minnesota's offense somehow. But even regardless of that, I know I kind of jumped around a little bit. The key for Northwestern is they have to score. They have to get in the 70s. How can you find a way to get to 70 points? Because I can guarantee you, Minnesota, you're not going to stop them from getting 70 points. So how do you get in that range? You've got to have some explosive scoring from Abby Scheid and Palace. I think the two bigs can have a really good game for Northwestern. And then obviously Lindsey Pulliam has to have a Syracuse-esque performance, I think, for Northwestern to be in this one. I don't think this will be as hard of a challenge as Syracuse, just because Minnesota is not a great defensive team. But for Northwestern, their strength isn't their scoring. So they're certainly going to be out of their comfort zone in this one.
2: Shide is, I think, the key here for Northwestern. I don't think Minnesota has a player that can guard her man-to-man. I don't think Minnesota has a player that can guard anybody, yeah, to be one, honest with you. They saw... don't play defense like Syracuse does.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Nia Coffey, you know, when she's going, she's a very talented offensive player. But last year, she had a one move. She caught the ball on the left baseline and just drove down the baseline and scored Every single time. Did yeah. Minnesota stop it? Did Minnesota no. adjust? Did they no. do anything different? No. no. It was embarrassing for Minnesota defensively. They still won the game, which is fine because they outshot Northwestern. So I think Shide can have a real good performance and uh, Palace can act upon it as well if she gets inside a bit, can really cause them having. She needs to stay out of foul trouble. I think and, that's. Or go ahead.
2: And Matt, when we look back to that Syracuse game, I think that was the difference for Northwestern. You've got a great game from Pulliam. She had 29 points on 20 shots. You've got a good game from Palace, 12 points, 14 rebounds. Lydia Rohde gave you something. Abby Scheid just didn't shoot the ball very well. She was 5 of 18 from the field. You give her a couple more buckets on shots that she probably could have hit, Northwestern maybe wins that game. Against Minnesota, I think you probably need a repeat of that Syracuse performance, but Scheid needs to shoot better from the field, something she's certainly capable of doing.
1: Well, yeah, she's absolutely capable of doing it. And I think the big key there is just take it to the rack. And she can do that. She's shown that she can do that. Minnesota doesn't have the bodies to stop her or really anybody in the paint like you guys were talking about. Just get to the rack. Maybe get fouled. Just try to score in the paint as much as possible. Don't settle for the jump shots. Don't try to shoot your way uh, even with Minnesota because you're probably not going to do that. You probably have a better chance of just Trying to pound them inside, attack the paint, feed your big bodies, use your scoring options, and try to pull them and try to grind out a victory that way.
0: Yeah, I think Northwestern, the way they played their last two games, they'll show up for this one at home. I think they've had some time to to break as well. I think they'll come out in this game and they'll give Minnesota a run. I don't know if they could win this game just because Minnesota's offense is very, very good. But I fully expect Northwestern to be in this one hopefully in the fourth quarter because, you know, I like the way they played the last two games. I like the way their defense defenses looked. Uh, that's going to be key for them. And I, I, I know they want to start Big Ten uh, on the right foot. So I, I'm expecting a good performance from the Wildcats.
2: And that's the thing, Amit, is the Big Ten. We know it's a down conference this year. Northwestern really got a break in how this schedule opens. Minnesota is going to pose a challenge to them. But then you look at the games. Until Maryland comes to ETHS at the end of January, I don't think there's a game that you don't feel like Northwestern can really do well in. Yeah, Minnesota is probably the toughest game. The beauty of the
0: conference is that Northwestern can win any time.
2: Yeah, the four road games Illinois, Michigan State, Purdue, Wisconsin. Northwestern has a puncher's chance in all of those. You look at the home games, Nebraska and Wisconsin in there. It's not out of the realm of possibility for when Maryland comes to ETHS that this Northwestern team is 6 and 1 or 5 and 2 in the conference because of how generous the start is. There's some stretches that, you know, get more difficult as the year goes on, obviously. I'm looking at the start of yeah, February right in particular.
0: After, it's Maryland, Michigan, Indiana, sure. Michigan, yeah, that, and I and then Iowa. You know, that's yeah, that's a yeah. pretty yeah. tough slate right there. January for Northwestern could be a good month for sure. this team. Um, hopefully, they'll have Jordan Hamilton back. She's been day to day here for maybe two weeks now, but you, I, I think she'll play. I don't know. I don't. Know, I honestly don't know. But it, I well, think, that is what
2: that is, that is what day to day means. You don't right. know. But, but like, it's just
0: so it's been a while, and I don't think the injury when going back to it was too severe. Again, like we said, we'll see what happens on Thursday. But if she can play, I'd feel pretty good about Northwestern's chances in this one.
2: Yeah, you're, they're never going to be the favored team in this matchup, but they can hang with Minnesota, and they can they can absolutely get this game. They can get a game against anybody in the Big Ten with the exception of probably Maryland and Ohio State. You can say that about a lot of Big Ten teams, but there's no reason why they can't beat this Minnesota team.
0: Yeah, we'll see how that goes Thursday, 7 p.m. on WNUR Sports. Make sure you tune in. Ryan Wangman will be on the call with a to be announced broadcast partner. We'll see who joins him on Thursday. Maybe it'll be doing him by himself. Moving on to Illinois on the thirty first, New Year's Eve, two p.m. on the road in Champaign. Illinois isn't not a great basketball team. They're ahead of Northwestern in the standings and at okay, least a non conference right. schedule. Yeah, if but North this Western is a game play, that that's... this this is a game that Northwestern should expect to win. I think.
2: Yeah, if Northwestern played Illinois' schedule, they'd be ahead of Illinois in the Big Ten standings. I can guarantee you that. Yeah,
0: here's uh, you know, here's one thing that'll tell you a lot about what Illinois is about. They beat Chicago State by ten points. Um, I think that's the most relevant result on this schedule. They yep. have a uh, you know the good teams they played. They played Missouri and lost uh, almost by twenty points. They played Virginia Tech and lost by forty or so. Uh, uh, that's closer
2: to fifty. Forty-seven.
0: Closer to, closer to fifty. <laughs> Uh, They lost to Florida Gulf Coast and Western (laughs) Illinois, two teams I'm not going to pretend I know about. I'll assume they're okay teams. Um, But they don't have any good wins. I, I can tell you that.
2: Yeah, they don't have any bad losses. But, Matt, I think the thing that is kind of telling here is they don't have any close losses, really, to good teams. Western Illinois is, like, a fine team, I guess. They lost that game by 10. Florida Gold Coast, they got blown out. They got hammered by New Mexico and Virginia Tech. And then Missouri beat them pretty handily. Uh, This is a program that has been rebuilding that for a while. And they're still rebuilding.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can look at the schedule all you want. I mean, I guess it's still, I would say it's an improvement based on where they were last year. Because last year they wouldn't have won nine games in the nine conference slate. They won nine games overall in all of last season. Um, so already that, you feel like that's a step in the right direction, so good for them. They played a little bit of a lighter schedule, um, and then the good teams that they did play mixed in there, they got the results they expected, but you still, they still have a lot, lot of work to do as a team, and even though it's a road game for Northwestern, we know that's been an issue for, for them this year, and really for any team, just going on the road is tough, but I still feel like this is one Northwestern should pick up at the State Farm
2: Center. Yeah, yeah Alex, sorry, go ahead a bit. Northwestern on the
0: road has in Big Ten play is always a tough conundrum. There are no easy Big Ten road trips, and especially, I think, for Northwestern in recent years, it's just always been tough for them. This will be a really good early test for them against a team I think they can beat and should beat. Can they, you know, get a good road win? I, I think that will be a good test for them. And I know you're about to go into the players a little bit, but also just want to mention Illinois is, you know, towards the bottom of the conference in defense. They allow about 67 points per game. Northwestern uh, towards the top of the conference. And then both teams are towards the bottom in scoring offense. But I think that, you know, favors Northwestern. Illinois only scores about 65 points per game. And they're a team that does not take care of the basketball.
2: No, and, and a lot of the faces are a lot of the same faces from the team that won nine games last year. Alex Whittinger is still their best player. She's a threat in the post. She's a very solid Big Ten women's basketball player. 13 points, 8.9 rebounds. She's going to be the player that Northwestern has to key in on. Palace has to defend her and defend her without fouling. You can't have Northwestern's best low post player in early foul trouble or Illinois could give them problems. Brandy Beasley, a decent ball handler, 12 points per game, uh, three and a half assists per game. She's fine. Petra Holoszinska is a shooter by trade, only shooting 27.5% from behind the arc so far this year. Illinois has actually really struggled from behind the arc. They're only shooting 30% from three, so they are the exact opposite of Minnesota. Allie Andrews, the only person knocking them down with any sort of regularity, 40% from behind the arc for her. Everybody else pretty much for Illinois has really struggled to shoot that shot. So for Northwestern, you kind of run the same game plan that you ran last year. Make Illinois beat you offensively. Don't turn the ball over and give them transition looks. Illinois is going to shoot themselves in the foot at some times. They're going to take bad shots, and they're just not a great shooting team. They are shooting 39% from the field. That's near the bottom of the Big Ten. So for Northwestern, play good, solid defense, and I think this game is fairly winnable. What do you think about the game plan here, Matt?
1: Well, to echo what you said, I just don't think that it's, it's a very difficult game plan for Northwestern here just kind of let Illinois make their mistakes because, well, that's something that they do a lot. We saw that last year. They couldn't take care of the basketball. They haven't really gotten much better in that area this season. And kind of the opposite, uh, complete opposite of Minnesota. They're not going to run. They're going to play a much slower game, which is to Northwestern's benefit. And they're also not going to take care of the basketball. So those two things that Minnesota did well, Illinois is essentially the opposite is that they're going to play a slow game. Northwestern can just try to play enough defense to let Illinois make some mistakes. And then. They're going to just give you the ball a lot, and they're not going to make their open shots. This is kind of the dream matchup for Northwestern. Again, you, you don't want to say any game is a gimme on the road in the Big Ten, but I feel like Illinois might be one of the closer things you can get to that.
0: Yeah, going through that ranking summary, as I love to do, uh, they're bottom of the conference in assists, assists per game and assist turnover ratio. They're in the 300s in assists per game. They only get 11 assists per game. They're pretty bad at that. Um, they are good at rebounding. They're a solid rebounding team.
2: Thirty yeah, in the can country it, that in can, rebounding. That can fool you though. Sometimes that's just because you're a really bad shooting team. And yeah, and there are a lot of rebounds, rebounds to be
0: had. To be fair, even I though, they they 30th, rebound, though even though they're thirtieth in the true, country true in idea. rebounds, even though they're thirtieth rebounds, they're only eighth in the conference in rebounds. So, I mean, they're not necessarily an elite big 10 rebounding Big 10, team. yeah,
2: that's where rebounding happens, man. Yeah, all best about, rebounding <laughs> conference in the country. Yeah.
0: Uh they're they're pretty bad at shooting threes in the 200s, uh second worst in the conference shooting 30% from behind the arc, and they're in the 300s out of 345 teams out of their three-point field goal defense, so they bleed a lot of three-point attempts they allow about 36. It's a good recipe. You can't the shoot arc. Threes.
2: But you also let the other team make threes. Yeah,
0: and you know all of this is culminating in a scoring margin that is bad. Their scoring margin is 217th in the country, worst in the conference. I think the only Big Ten team with a negative scoring margin. Uh, that's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> and uh, individually, Wininger, she's 12th in the country in block shots, which is you know pretty impressive. Third in the conference, 34 block shots. So far, I think that comes out right to around 2.5 per game or something for her. Yeah, she's
2: a good player. She's she, a good team. She is a
0: good player. Certainly can't deny that. And then other than that, uh, not not really much else to say. Um, this team, as you guys have hinted at, they give up the ball. They're pretty bad at defense, and they're not very good at shooting. Uh, the key is going to be stopping Whittinger inside, and if Northwestern do, does that, they can turn this Illinois team into a bad one-dimensional team.
2: Yep, that's the game plan.
0: <laughs> um, the only the only thing I can
1: see as being a wrinkle in that, Austin, you hinted at this too, is if Palace Kunaiakana gets into foul trouble early, what's the plan B for Northwestern stopping Whittinger? I'd like to, I hope that they have one in plan. I don't know what that would be. Maybe it's the zone. Maybe it's you just throw Bree Hopkins in the paint, Oceana Hamilton. I don't know, someone else has to take up the slack if Palace gets into foul trouble. She's been better at avoiding that this year, but... That's still always an issue in the back of your mind is that if she gets into foul trouble, what happens to the big rotation? they got to have something else worked out because that's one area where
2: Northwestern might be exploited defensively. Yeah, and she's the only player on Illinois that can beat you. You know, like Brandy Beasley scores, but she really only scores because somebody has to score at some point. Whittinger is a player who, if she's on her day, can put up 25, 30 points and carry this Illinois team to victory. When you look at how they will probably get their Big Ten wins this year, it'll be against teams that can't defend Whittinger. She's their best player. It stands to reason, and you'd be correct in thinking that she will be the reason that Illinois wins games this year. So don't let Whittinger beat you. Make the rest of this team beat you. And, and it's tough, but admit, it, like if Illinois beats you because they shoot 50% on looks that they've missed all year— you sometimes have to just kind of put your hands up and say, that happens. If Illinois beats you by taking shots that they've taken all year and somehow making them, then maybe it's just not your day. But I don't think that's going to happen in this game.
0: Yeah, I talked about Northwestern expecting to to have a good performance against Minnesota. I don't know if they can win that game. I do expect to be close. I ex- fully expect Northwestern to go and win this game on the road. Then again, there are no easy road trips. Anything can happen, but... You know, this is the
2: this is as easy as a road trip. Yeah, yes. this is Big if ten.
0: if north if Northwestern's gonna make some noise here in the Big Ten, it starts here with a a good win for them on the road. I think they'll take care of business. I hope they can win this one by I think ten points or so.
2: Yeah, I'm in 66-53. That was the score of the game last year, so we're gonna run it back. Love it. I love it. Great way to do that.
0: That wraps up our preview here of the opening two games of Big Ten play. Should be a really fun start to the season. We'll be with you the whole way. And now to end our Crashing the Boards podcast, fitting in this holiday theme, especially on Boxing Day when we record this. I am hearing that Austin Miller and Matt McHugh have gifts for each of the Big Ten teams, holiday gifts. Whoa, whoa, not
2: each of the Big Ten teams. That's a lot of gifts. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Just we got some, some just select
0: few. Yeah, the, right. the people on the nice list.
2: Well, some of them are on the naughty list, and we're giving them gifts to help them move on to the nice list. You know, I mean, it's the holiday season. We're a podcast that, that likes to give back here on WNUR Sports. So, you know, we want to hand out some gifts to the Big Ten and let them open them and and have a little fun and things that they could use for various basketballing reasons. Uh, Matt, I don't know how many gifts you have. I don't know how many gifts I have. Um, I've, I don't either. Okay. I don't either. That's great. That's great. Kind of wing it
1: and yeah. see how many we can, Perfect. how many we're feeling.
2: Okay. Best way to do a podcast. I have my Santa Claus hat on and the first holiday gift that I would like to give is to Kevin McGoff, head coach of Ohio state. This is a team that as much as a team that's as good as they are, has kind of flown under the radar this year. Ohio state done exactly what you'd expect them to do. They're 11-2 this year, and like Ohio State has done for seemingly the last five years, they've won all of the games that they should win. But when it comes to the big games against the big teams, they've struggled. They lost to Louisville by five. They lost to Duke by nine in a game in which they only scored 60 points. Ohio State is one of the best offenses in the country. They average 91 points per game. But despite that, they are still the worst defense scoring-wise in the Big Ten. They give up 71 points a game. So I want to get Kevin McGuff a defensive coordinator. Kevin, just focus on the offense. You're going to run, you're going to gun, you're going to shoot. I know that that leaves you open on defense. But this defensive coordinator is going to help knock that number down from 71 to 64 in Ohio State, if you do that, you're going to make the Elite Eight, and you might even make the Final Four, and you might live up to that potential. I think that's a great holiday gift for Kevin in Ohio State.
1: I like it. I guess It's a good way to start it off. I'm going to take us to Piscataway, one of the favorite cities of horse sports, Piscataway, New Jersey. I'm going to give C. Vivian Stringer a gift. That gift is going to be a shooter, a three-point shooter. Yeah, that's
2: a good one. I feel that's like- a good one.
1: That's the one thing that this team is really missing. They've been so much better. If you've listened to the podcast, the first few episodes here, I have been a big supporter of the Scarlet Knights and what they have done this year. They have improved a lot. They've actually been a pretty solid team through and through the, the one big gap uh, is still missing for this team. A three point shooter. They have a big 10 worst 29.2% three point percentage and, that's got to go up if they want to be hanging with the big boys at the top of the conference. But, I mean, they've been so much better. They're actually kind of enjoyable to watch at the point at this point this year. And that's the, the one thing that I just want to patch that hole for them, drop a little 35% three-point shooter even.
2: If the they game just game. had one player who could stretch the defense, it's going to open up so many lanes for Scaife. She's such a fantastic player when she attacks the basket. Like you said, Matt, if they had that one player on the wing who could stretch defenses out a little bit, give Scaife some room to cut through, Strucker's team could go a lot further. I think they're an NCAA tournament team. I think that's how much of a turnaround it's been this year. Amit, do you have any gifts that you want to give? I have another one ready if you don't.
0: No, it's all you. Keep going. All
2: right. I am going to give this next gift to Lisa Bluter, and the Iowa Hawkeyes, a great start to the year for Iowa. They've been creeping around the top 25. They are 12 and 1. But you know one thing they don't have, Matt. They don't but have what a is, marquee, what do we got? They don't they don't have a marquee win. So I want to give yeah. Lisa Bluter and Iowa a marquee win. You're 12 and 1. You lost by one point to a really good Florida State team. And then you look at your resume, and the best thing you've done is, well, I don't really know. You beat Iowa State, but they're 240th in RPI. You don't have another power conference win. You, they're incredibly well when you look at the, the raw metrics in the Big Ten. They're fourth in scoring offense, only ninth in scoring defense, but they are a great shooting team. They're second in free throw percentage. They're first in field goal percentage. Iowa is shooting over 50% from the floor. They're the best field goal percentage defense team. They're the best three-point shooting team. But they're going to have to pick off one of the big names in the Big Ten, or they could be looking like Michigan was last year. They've got a couple of great opportunities here at the start of the Big Ten play. They get Michigan on New Year's Eve, and then they go to Maryland in their third Big Ten contest. You might need one of those Iowa if you want to be feeling good come Selection Monday. They really need a marquee win, and unfortunately for them, they just didn't schedule well enough to get themselves one in the non-conference.
1: I like it. I like it. That's a good gift for Iowa. And, I mean, again, you could just go back to that one game. Just back here or there down the stretch, and, and their, their resume looks so different. But, and
2: they're still like, undefeated if they beat Florida State, which would be pretty it's, impressive.
1: It's what it is right now. So they still have a lot of work. To be done. I got one more gift to give. This one is for an individual. I'm looking at you, Tanaya Page, for this gift. I'm giving you a friend on Penn State. You don't have a complimentary scorer on that team. You don't have a lot around you, but you're very, very talented. I think you need a scoring buddy on that team, someone who can average over 15 points per game, shoot something around 40-45% from the field. another star to go with you, uh, because she's one of the better players in the conference. And I feel kind of bad for her that she's been stuck on that team. With doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. They've lost a couple games in their non-con slate that essentially, at least to me, show that they're not going to be a serious contender this year. And again, it just seems like another lost season for one of the more talented players in the conference in Taniya Page. So Taniya Page going to give you a, a gift of a friend. And
2: that's the, and that's the thing Matt. the last podcast we did in talking about Penn state, it was, ah, they're kind of around there, you know, closed non-conference. Well, they give themselves a chance and they did the exact opposite of that. They went to St. Bonaventure, a team that's RPI is in the two hundreds and they lost by three. And then they went to American. I mean, like, I guess credit Coquise Washington for scheduling road games against St. Bonaventure and American. But they were probably a mistake because they held two L's nope. in those games, and they've made a lot. And they only beat Pittsburgh.
1: Harder. They only beat Pittsburgh by eleven, and Pittsburgh is very bad. So yeah, it's yeah. not great.
2: Yeah, tonight I need somebody to score with her. That's kind of what Lindsey Span was, but then those two were never really able to play together. And now that Span's gone, Page is the primary ball handler and scorer. Uh, but you're right, uh, they need somebody else. Uh, my next gift goes to a podcast favorite, Matt. That is Terry Morin at Indiana. Uh, I want to give her a reset button because Indiana needs a reset on 2017. This was a Man, team that, that yeah. I think most people pegged them to be third best in the conference. I don't think that was out of the realm of possibility. And they are 7-6 and six with a slew of bad losses, a lack of good wins, and a huge uphill climb looking straight at them in this conference. If so They want any chance of returning to the NCAA tournament. They didn't lose a lot from last year's team that made the tournament. They've made the tournament two straight years with Tyra Bus, Amanda Cahill. Those are good pieces. But, man, Amit, it has just not happened for Indiana this year.
0: Yeah, man, they've been bad. Uh, it's been really frustrating for them because you think about the players they have and the talent they have, they should be, um, you know, a tournament uh, around that area team. And they're just not. Uh, it's been it's been a frustrating start to this season for them, definitely.
2: I got another gift. I'm like Santa Claus. I'm just pulling them out of my bag. Go for it. Go uh, for it. This next one is to Jonathan Sippis and the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, I don't know the best way to to give this. It's kind of more of a theoretical gift than a lot of the you know the physical gifts we've given out so far. But I just want to give Wisconsin patience. It's not been great this year. Wasn't great. Last year, uh, 34 points against Green Bay. Well, we've seen that Green Bay is a really good team. The loss to Butler, not great. The loss to Milwaukee, not ideal. The, who was it? They beat, so- oh, the, oh, no, that was, the, they waxed Savannah State. The three-point win against Southern, really not ideal. But I like what Jonathan Sippis does. I like the way that his teams play. I liked the effort that they gave down this stretch last year when they were long gone out of the Big Ten race. This Wisconsin team continued to fight. They continued to scrap. They continued to play defense hard. If you give him time, I'm a firm believer that he's going to turn this program around. Matt, he just needs a little bit more time. You just got to give him a couple more seasons, I think, and you'll start to see this pay dividends. This was a really bare cupboard when he showed up in Madison.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. We talked about this a lot last year. I think almost any time we talked about Wisconsin women's basketball, talked about Sippus and what he's doing, at least, at least, even last year we were saying that it feels like they're trending in the right direction, and that's all you're looking for at this point, right? I mean, you're not looking realistically to build a contender overnight. That's not how this sport works. You have to You have to take a patient approach to it. It's going to be a process. It's going to take some time, but eventually you'll get there if you have the right guy at the helm, and I mean, I hope they feel like they do because I think that they're showing signs of improvement and they're doing everything that you'd like to see at this point in their trajectory, but it's still some work to be done. I got one more gift, I think, uh, before I wrap it up. And similar to your uh, Iowa gift, Austin, I'm going uh, I'm going to Sparty for this one, Michigan State. They put together a solid non-con slate and they didn't schedule anyone who I think would have been a good match from the only one who seemed to be in that right range for them was Miami, the road game in the big 10 ACC challenge that they lost. But the rest of their schedule was just either a really bad team or they played UConn and Notre Dame who were just too far above them to actually pose a reasonable game that they could pick up. And I think that's the only thing missing on their schedule. Now they're a solid team through and through. They don't have a glaring weakness. They're showing, I think to be a top half big 10 team in this season that might be talked about in the tournament bubble, but they don't have that big win. They lost that Miami game on the road, and they didn't schedule anyone who was right around where they should be scheduling, someone around that 50 ish RPI team. They played a lot of teams in the 150s, and then the teams in the top five. Like, they just want to yeah. balance that out a little bit more, go back in time maybe, and just patch that schedule all up with some more winnable games and see if they can beef up that resume and that. On-
2: yeah, the one thing they did do is that South Florida game is is actually better than I thought it was. South Florida's a top 50 RPI team, so that's a decent win to have in your back pocket. It's not, maybe not a great win, but it's something that this team can build on. I don't think they're an NCAA tournament team. I just can't really see how they're... I, I don't know. They got 10 wins, and, and that's more than I would have expected from them out of the non-conference. Uh, but this is not a great Michigan State team, but you know, in this conference, Matt... Could they cobble together 11-12 wins and next thing you know, they're a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament? Sure. Do I think they will? No.
1: That's fair. That's fair. They do have a lot of work that still needs to be done in conference play. But you know what? They did almost everything you can ask with that non-con schedule. You're right. The USF game is probably better in hindsight now after you look at what USF has done. Better than I thought it would be coming into the season. But you just you wish you had a little bit more beef in there, um, and the UConn Notre Dame games just don't really help you too much. The help the computer do. numbers. Yeah, so
2: that's the thing. That's like cool. those games help your RPI. You know, you'd rather lose to Connecticut and uh, Notre Dame, but you know, then you look at the actual margin of victory, and they were not anywhere close to those teams' no. level. No, no, no. no. Um, but you know, that'll help the computer number. Uh, amid, I got one more. Can I give out one more? I'm giving. We might have
0: lost a bit. Just do yeah, it. I'll, just do
2: it. All right. Right, I'm giving out one more. Uh, I'm opening Santa's big bag of holiday gifts here. Oh, this one is for Brenda Freeze in Maryland. Oh, wait, it's Eliana Kristanaki. They already got it, and they've opened it. And it is everything that they hoped that she would be. Career high, 32 points in her Maryland debut. They absolutely hammered Coppin State like we knew they would. They've scored over 112 points in consecutive games now. Uh, hey, Matt, you want to uh, pick out the Big Ten team that you don't want to be this week?
1: Oh no! Who who do they have? Do they have a Who do they get? They get uh they get Wisconsin.
2: No, it's worse.
1: Ooh, worse Nebraska.
2: Nope. Ooh. It's Illinois going to College oh. Park to open the Big Ten season. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, it's gonna be ugly. Oh no. Uh, Eliana Kristanaki like, we saw her when she was at Florida last year before whatever happened happened there and she left that program she came to Evanston Northwestern won that game but Kristinaki really impressed she's exactly the player that Maryland needed this year they have good complimentary pieces Matt but she is the type of scoring player that can carry this Maryland team and she is going to be something in this conference she's a scared. ridiculously good scorer
1: 0-1 oh, oh against Northwestern
2: that's, that's true, true.
1: You know what? That's Just true. Keep Don't that see. in mind when, yeah. when that game happens, when she comes to ETHS, that she has never won against the Wildcats.
2: Counterpoint though, Matt, counterpoint, and I may checkmate you on this one. She's due. Okay. Oh. Uh,
1: yeah. Okay. She does win more games than she
0: loses. So you do yeah. have me beat there.
2: Yeah. I admit, my bag's empty. I gave out all my gifts.
0: Well, thank you Austin. I think, we got it. I think that was a very informative segment about the whole big game. And also a little fun holiday theme and some gifts, things we would love to see for these Big Ten teams. But unfortunately, most of them won't happen except for Maryland because, wow.
2: Maryland gets everything they want.
0: Yeah, not fair. Anyways, thanks a lot, guys, for joining me on this Boxing Day evening. It's been a lot of fun. It's been another great episode of Crashing the Boards. We'll end by reminding you that Northwestern has two games coming up on Thursday and Sunday. Um, against Minnesota on Thursday, Illinois on Sunday. Both of those games will be broadcast from Devon UR Sports, so make sure you tune into both of them. And on top of that, make sure you join us next week for another great episode of Crashing the Boards. Thanks a lot to Austin Miller in North Carolina, Matt McHugh in California. I'm signing off as McMalek here in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Thanks for listening.